All right. Good morning. Uh, my name is Chad. I'm one of the pastor elders here at Reality Ventura. Um, I'm going to ask us to um, join me in prayer right now. <clears throat> Father God in heaven, it's so good to be still and know that you are God. God over our lives. God over our church. God over our city. God over the universe. God, I just declare right now my dependency upon you and just recognize and receive the words Jesus said that apart from you, I can do nothing. And so I ask right now for grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to bring forth your truth to your sons and daughters in a way that they would respond to your truth, that your name would be glorified. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, as you may know, we're more than halfway through a 15-week series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. This is week nine. And I do want to make mention that if you have missed any of the series on the Holy Spirit, that all the sermons are posted on our website at realityventura.com. Uh, last Sunday, Billy taught on being led by the Holy Spirit, and today I'll be teaching on the Holy Spirit and prayer. The focus of today's teaching on the Holy Spirit and prayer comes from the verse found in Jude 1.20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Now the question is, what does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit and how do we pray in the Holy Spirit? For the sake of clarity, I'll be using the phrase pray in the Holy Spirit and also pray in the Spirit interchangeably which both mean the same thing in the context of the topic that I'll be teaching on today. Also, for the sake of clarity, in discovering what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit and how to pray in the Holy Spirit, I want to answer these three questions. One, what it is not. Two, what it is. And three, how it is done. So first, what praying in the Holy Spirit is not? We see what praying in the Holy Spirit means by contrasting it with its polar opposite, praying in the flesh. Prayer in the power of the flesh relies upon human ability and human effort to carry the prayer forward. We all know what it feels to have deadness in prayer or difficulty in prayer, or to be tongue-tied with nothing to say, as it were, and actually having to force ourselves to try to pray. Well, to the extent that that may be true for us, we are not praying in the Spirit. How do we overcome this difficulty in prayer? Praying in the flesh calls upon human ability and human effort, again, to push past the difficulty, such as if we are tongue-tied in prayer, we may try to overcome that difficulty with a stream of many words, 
And yet Jesus warned us in Matthew 6 against thinking that we would be heard because we use many words. If we struggle with wanting to give up after a short time in prayer, we may focus upon how long we pray. And yet, success in prayer does not depend upon how much time we can log in prayer. Sometimes people try to overcome deadness in prayer by focusing on how well we can pray. We subtly trust in having perfectly composed, doctrinally, doctrinally correct prayers that re- rely upon the right diction or cadence or language or emotion or volume. Some of us may even use King James language and we can bring out the these and the thous. Thou, Lord, answer the prayer for thy glory. Yet, these attempts to push past the difficulty and the power of the flesh are attempts to actually imitate the liveliness that the Spirit gives in prayer. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book, Living Water, said, The Spirit is a spirit of life as well as truth. And the first thing that he always does is to make everything living and vital. And of course, there is all the difference in the world between the life and the liveliness produced by the Spirit and the kind of artifact, the bright and breezy imitation produced by people. If praying in the flesh is the counterfeit or imitation of praying in the Spirit, then what is the genuine article? Let's move into answering that question and discovering what praying in the Holy Spirit is. So second, what praying in the Holy Spirit is. Here is the key difference. In the flesh, again, we are pushing the prayers forward in our own human ability and in our own effort. While in the Spirit, we feel caught up in the way the Spirit carries the prayer forward. We're actually being caught up and carried by the Holy Spirit. So praying in the Spirit is experiencing the Spirit of life bringing prayer to life. So when we are praying in the Holy Spirit, you will actually supernaturally feel caught up in the Spirit carrying our prayer and bringing prayer to life. Praying in the Spirit means that the Spirit empowers the prayer and carries it to the Father in Jesus' name. The prayer has a living quality characterized by warmth and freedom and a sense of exchange. There's this exchange happening as we're talking to the Father and the Holy Spirit is ministering to us, quickening us and moving us. We realize that we are actually in God's presence. We're actually speaking to God. The Spirit illuminates your mind, moves your heart, and grants a freedom of utterance and liberty of expression. That is what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. And yet, it is helpful to acknowledge that there are varying degrees of experience 
when it comes to praying in the Spirit. It does not feel like revival every time we pray in the Spirit. There are varying experiences of feeling carried along or pushed forward in the Spirit. Sometimes praying in the Spirit will not feel electrifying at all. It will feel actually like groaning. The Spirit helps us in our weakness and intercedes for us according to the will of God, as it says in Romans 8. And for those of you who have traveled, you most likely have experienced those straight escalators you see in the airports. They're actually called moving walks or travelators. You know when there's long stretches in the airport where you have to get from point A to point B? There's been many times that I have experienced dragging my luggage and my board bags through an airport. I'm actually huffing and puffing, trying to make it to, you know, the next place I can get on another flight. And the moment I step on one of those moving walks, although I am still walking, at the same time I'm experienced being moved or carried almost effortlessly and being carried by the other people dragging their luggage going in the same direction as me, but they're doing it in their own strength and their own effort. And I'm always puzzled when I get on one of those and I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm looking at people going right by it, dragging their luggage. And I'm wondering, what are you doing? Why are you not on this thing? Maybe it's because of pride. Maybe they just feel like I, I, I can do it in my own strength. I can do it in my own power. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's just kind of scary to get on one of those things. They do kind of look a little bit freaky. But at the same time, I'm like, get on this train. This is amazing. I sometimes think of this example as the experiential difference between praying in the flesh and praying in the Spirit. Praying in the flesh feels a lot like dragging my luggage through an airport in my own strength and in my own effort. Whereas praying in the Spirit reflects the reality of actually being moved, being carried on one of those moving walks in the airport. When we pray in the Spirit, we experience being carried or driven in prayer to God by His Spirit. The best brief statement I have found of what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit goes like this. It means to pray in such a way that the Holy Spirit is the moving and guiding power. The key words there are moving and guiding. In other words, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is moving you to pray. Again, it's this supernatural thing that's happening. That is, he is the one who motivates and enables and energizes your prayer or our prayers. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is also guiding how you pray and what you pray for. Again, the Spirit of God is guiding us, quickening us, putting thoughts in our mind, stirring our affections and guiding us the way we pray. So to pray in the Holy Spirit is to be moved and guided by the Holy Spirit in prayer. We pray by His power, and we pray according to His direction. 
Let's see where this interpretation of praying in the Spirit comes from in the Bible, because it's important that we find this in the Bible. The first thing to notice is the very close parallel passage in Ephesians 6.18 where Paul says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. The reason this is important is that it shows that praying in the Spirit is not some special form of prayer, like speaking in tongues. We can tell this so because Paul says in Ephesians 6.18 that we should actually pray at all times in the Spirit. We are called as believers to pray at all times in the Spirit. In other words, all prayer should should actually be in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit is not one form among several. It's the way all prayer should be offered. When we gather as God's children, whether it's one-on-one before God, or corporately, or with our husbands and wives, we are to pray in the Spirit. That's how all prayer is to be offered. The second thing to see is the parallel in Romans 8.26, where Paul says, The Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Here it is plain that the one thing the Holy Spirit does for us is help our weakness when we need to pray, but we can't the way that we should. So it is, a, it is natural to take praying in the Holy Spirit to mean praying with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the strength and enablement of the Spirit to make up for our weaknesses, for all of us are weak by nature in many ways. And there's many times that we're really weak when it comes to entering into prayer. So that's encouraging. And then a third parallel would be Romans 8, 15 and 16, where Paul says, You have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So the point here is that the Spirit of God helps us have assurance that we are children of God, that you and I, by grace, are sons and daughters of the living God. And by causing us to cry out from the heart, to pray, Abba, Father. In other words, the Spirit moves our prayers He motivates, He enables, and He energizes our prayers. That's a key part of what praying in the Holy Spirit means. And if we can get this and we can experience this, then we're going to have great joy and we're actually going to be excited for prayer. We're going to be excited to pray. We're going to be excited for corporate prayer gatherings. I think the one reason we're not necessarily is because We're not experiencing praying in the Holy Spirit. The other part of what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit is that when we do so, our prayers are not only moved by the Spirit, but they are guided by the Spirit. And this is no surprise. 
Because if the Holy Spirit is prompting and enabling and energizing our prayers, it would be natural to think that He does so in a way that accords with His nature and His Word. We would not want to say that the Spirit moves our prayers, but they are not according to God's will. If the Spirit is moving us to pray, then He would move us according to His will and according to His Word. So praying in the Holy Spirit would not only, would not only, we're not only experiencing the power of the Spirit to help us pray when we are weak, but also we're going to be experiencing the guidance of the Spirit to help us when we're actually foolish or confused or even selfish. For example, James 4.3 says, When you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. That would not be praying in the Holy Spirit. That would actually be praying in the flesh or in your own sinful nature. So now the question is the practical one. How do you pray in the Holy Spirit? So thirdly, how to pray in the Holy Spirit, how it's done. And it's really important right here that first, we don't fail to see how utterly unusual it is to be told to do do something by the power and the guidance of another. It is God telling me to do it. God is telling me. God is telling us, pray. And yet, telling me that it is a work of the Holy Spirit when I do it. It's just like other things in the Christian life. Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the Spirit. Romans 8.13 says, put to death the deed, put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Spirit. Philippians 3.3 says, worship by the Spirit. In all these things, we're supposed to actually do something, but we are to do them in a way that it is the Spirit who is doing them actually through us. This is the way human life is. Since God is sovereign and we are responsible, we act. We are responsible to act. We are responsible to respond. But God is the decisive actor. Our action is dependent upon God. So when we are told to walk or to fight sin or confess the Lordship of Jesus or worship or pray, we are told to do it in the Holy Spirit. You do it. I do it. But it is the Holy Spirit who is doing it in you and through you. So how do I pray so that it is really the Holy Spirit prompting and guiding the prayer? I think there are two basic answers. The first is faith. We pray in the Holy Spirit when we take our stand on the cross of Christ, which purchased all divine help. And we actually trust God for His help by the Spirit. In other words, when you admit that without the help of the Spirit, you cannot pray as you ought, and then you consciously depend on the Spirit to help you pray, then you are praying 
in the Holy Spirit. Just stopping and recognizing and admitting I cannot pray as I ought without the help of the whole without the help of the Holy Spirit. So the first answer to the question, how do I pray so it is really the Holy Spirit that's actually prompting and guiding the prayer? It's by faith. It's by faith, by trusting God to give you the Holy Spirit to help you pray. And God will. Every single time I just stop and I declare my dependency upon God because I recognize I can't do something, God meets me every single time. And God will meet you, my brothers and sisters, if we just stop and recognize I need God's help right now. You can see this from the New Testament in several ways. One way is that in Philippians 3.3 it says, Who worship in the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Here, worshiping in the Spirit of God is explained by put no confidence in the flesh. I think that means instead we obviously put confidence in the Spirit. We put our confidence in God. That is in God's blood-bought mercy to help us worship as we ought by His Spirit. So I take it that the way to pray in the Holy Spirit is the same way as we worship in the Spirit of God. Namely, by not putting any confidence in what we can do with our own resources, our own ability, but instead looking away from our own resources and trusting in the mercy of God to help us pray by His Spirit. That is what we should do in all our praying. Trust God for the help we need to pray. When you are too weak, or too confused, or too depressed, or too angry, or too dull to pray, at that moment do not assume that you cannot pray. Instead, consciously look away from yourself and look to Christ and to the mercy of God we find in Christ and trust Him to help you, even if it is only to produce groanings too deep for words. Learn to distrust yourself and to trust God in prayer. Learn that without Him you can do nothing, as Jesus said, and cast yourself on Him at all times for all you need in order to pray. I personally want to grow in this. Because there's many times I am discouraged, I'm deflated, especially when I fall short as a husband, when I fall short as a father, and I just, I fall short. And I know I need to pray. And honestly, I'm so discouraged and so deflated. I fall into the trap like, I can't pray right now. And yet, I want to put this to practice because it actually happened yesterday. Like, I heard some news that really deflated me. And the temptation right there was like, I can't pray. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit, because I was studying this, reminded me of the cross of Christ 
and reminded me that I'm a child of God and reminded me to put my faith and trust in God and he would help me at that moment. And with that reminder, I consciously, I looked away from myself and I trusted in him to help me. And I prayed. I prayed with my wife and God carried us. God met us. And I'm praying and I'm hoping, wow, that's a turning point right there. That is a turning point to move forward in praying in the Holy Spirit by faith and trusting God to meet me, trusting God to meet us. The second answer to the question, how do I pray so it is really the Holy Spirit prompting and guiding the prayer? is to bring all your praying in conformity to the Word of God, which is the Spirit-inspired Word. God's Spirit inspired the Word of God. Right here is the call for us to be in the Word every day and the call for us to pray at all times in the Spirit where it becomes intertwined. Praying the Word of God, praying in the Spirit becomes intertwined. If you live in the Word of God, meditating on it day and night, by reading it every day, by memorizing portions to carry with you through your day, and actually savoring those portions of Scripture hour by hour, then your prayers are actually going to be shaped by the Word, which means they're going to be shaped by the Spirit of God. And that is what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. Not only to be moved by the Spirit in prayer, but to be guided by the Spirit in prayer. That's when we are praying the Spirit, like I said earlier, the Holy Spirit quickens our minds, stirs our affections. As we're praying for people, the Holy Spirit takes Scripture that we've read or we've memorized and impresses that on our minds so we can pray that Scripture over somebody or be reminded of that scripture for myself. That's how the Spirit of God is moving, using the Word of God, quickening us, using us, empowering us. And since this is something we are called to do, pray in the Holy Spirit. Our role, again, is to take what we know about the Spirit's will from the Word of God and saturate our prayers with it. Again, if we embrace this, we are going to have a rich, exciting, meaningful prayer life. We are going to be excited to prayer. Our prayer gatherings will actually become bigger than our Sunday gatherings. Because let me tell you, I'm sure, well, I don't know, maybe when I honestly just truly believe that prayer gatherings are so exciting. Sometimes as exciting as meeting on Sundays, and I'm not lessening that. Don't, please forgive me. But when we meet as God's people, and we are, being, we are praying in the Holy Spirit, and we're waiting upon God, and we're allowing God to quicken us, prayer is exciting because God shows up, and we are in His presence, and God is hearing the prayers of His sons and His daughters, and God is answering prayers, and we are being moved by Him, and we are being in awe of Him. Lastly, when it comes to how to pray in the Holy Spirit, I want to close with three aspects, actually three attitudes, three postures of what it means to pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit has three aspects. One, admitting our inability. 
to enjoying the creation of a living communion with God. And three, pleading the promises of God with boldness and assurance. So step one, admitting our inability to pray. We should actually start with an attitude, a posture of confession. We must admit our inability to actually pray as we ought. We must come face to face with our tendency to pray on our own, to pray in our own strength. Again, we start with the recognition that prayer is actually a spiritual activity. And the power of the flesh actually profits nothing at all. We should feel our dryness and difficulty. And then we should confess to God our dullness lifelessness and spiritual slowness and sluggishness we can confess that before god because he loves us and he understands don't be fearful to just say before god i am sluggish i am spiritually slow i feel dull right now god is going to meet us because he loves you and he does it for his glory But again, this step is not passive. It's the act of yielding. It's the act of actually surrendering ourselves to the Spirit. If we are to pray in the Spirit, then we are surrendering our preconceived plans for how we ought to pray, for what we ought to pray, and for how long we ought to pray. To pray in the Holy Spirit means that we actually surrender control of our lives, control of our life and our plans, And we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us to pray according to His plan and according to His will for our lives. And unless you are willing or I am willing to empty myself or empty ourselves of our agenda for prayer, there will be no praying in the Holy Spirit. And if there is no praying in the Spirit, then you should not expect vibrancy to come in your prayer life. Nor should you expect to see your prayers answered on a regular basis. The only true way to pray as a Christian is to do it with a heart, mind, and will that is completely surrendered. A giving over to the control and will of God. Saying, not my will, but your will be done, God. Your will. So confession leads to yielding. It leads to a place of surrender, which leads to expectation and prayerful anticipation. Step two, enjoy living communion with God. We should have a posture, an awareness of a communion, a sharing, a give and take, if I may use such an expression. You are not dragging yourself along. You are not forcing the situation. You are not trying to make conversation with somebody whom you do not know. No, that's not it at all. Listen, my friends. Listen, sons and daughters of God. The spirit of adoption in you brings you right into the presence of God. And as a living act of fellowship and communion, vibrant with life. The place where you pray seems to be transformed. It's as if I start out praying in the living room or wherever you're praying, 
And suddenly I sense I am in the throne room of God. That can happen anywhere, whether it's at your home or in your living room or in your garage or at the beach. When we are praying in the Holy Spirit, we will actually sense that we are in the very throne room of God. One of the key differences here between praying in the flesh and praying in the Spirit is that you don't feel the need to rush to say anything when you pray in the Spirit. The living reality that the Spirit creates is the awareness of God's presence. Experiencing His presence will seem much more important than actually any petition that you're going to make. My prayer for myself, for us, is oh that we would learn the importance of being quiet before the Lord. To listen more than speak. To be still and know that He is God. God over our lives. God over our circumstances. God over our families. God over our marriages, God over our cities. We have to come to this place because most of the time that you and I pray is when we're in heavy circumstances. Most of the time that we're ready to pray is when we're overwhelmed by things, especially things that are very close to home. And that is when we need to stop and be still, and remember that God is God over this circumstance, over this pain, over this heartbreak, over my troubled marriage, over my troubled kids, whatever it is, we won't even begin to pray or even be able to give petition unless we first stop and recognize and enter into the presence of God and stop. But the Spirit will not lead you merely to rest in God's presence in a passive way. There will actually be a holy boldness to plead the promises of God. Step three, pleading with holy boldness. The result of the Spirit's work is that we bow before God as humbled children of God, in awe of God. We don't bow before an unknown or faraway God, and we don't skip into God's presence with breezy familiarity. We come with an awakened sense of intimacy and awe of Almighty God. And then also the Spirit breathes bold life into our prayers, a holy boldness that pleads the promises of God with God and, and also in the presence of God. The beauty of this boldness is that it is a humble and holy boldness. There is no presumptuous sense of demand. Do not claim, do not demand, but yet, let your requests be made known. Let them come from your heart, and God will understand. Yes, pray urgently. Plead. 
Use all the arguments. Use all the promises of God. But do not demand. Do not claim. Never put yourself into the position of saying, if we but do this, then that must happen. God is a sovereign Lord, and these things are beyond our understanding. Yes, there are times we plead. Yes, there's times we plead the promises of God. Yes, there's times we stand in faith on the finished work of Christ. And for some reason, our prayers are not answered. And yes, these things sometimes are beyond our understanding. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with that because we can trust that God is a loving, sovereign Father. That God is good. That all His ways are good. That His ways are not my ways all the time. Let's begin my encouragement to us to pray big, bold, powerful Bible prayers. Begin to pray what great and mighty things that we want to God to do for the nations, for the world, for the lost. As it says in Jeremiah 33.3, which is my favorite verse in the Bible, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. If you need a verse to encourage you to stir your affections, to increase your faith for prayer, this is the verse. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know, which you have not yet experienced, which you have not yet seen. I will show you. Let's pray some bold, huge prayers for billions of lost people and thousands of unreached people in the 1040 window. Let's pray some bold, huge prayers for the millions of lost people in our nation and the thousands of lost people in our own communities. Let's pray some bold, huge prayers for those closest to us, sons and daughters, friends and neighbors. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to move us in prayer, quicken us to pray, stir in us to pray. Bold, big, powerful, faith-filled prayers for those around us, for those nearest to us, and also for those far away from us. My hope and my prayer is where I'm going to land right now. My hope and prayer is that the Holy Spirit of God would birth houses of prayer from this church that we as God's people would begin to meet in small gatherings of prayer throughout our city, throughout our county, with Holy Spirit-led and Holy Spirit-filled prayers. Praying in the Holy Spirit for unreached peoples for our own missionary and our own missionaries, such as Helen Ernst, who prays weekly with a gathering of, of, of people up in Carpinteria. Helen Ernst 
And whoever gathers with her, they pray weekly for all the coastland missionaries and pray for unreached people groups. That we would begin praying in the Holy Spirit for the lost in our own communities, such as we did as a church before Reality Ventura was even birthed. We prayed for almost a year for the city of Ventura, the local churches, and we actually specifically pray for the lost and for loved ones by name. There are prayers written behind these walls before they put up the drywall. Prayers for people, people's personal heartfelt prayers. There's actually prayers on this ground. If you walk around, you probably don't see it when you come in. There's prayers written all over the cement because there was none of these walls. This is where we gathered. We prayed for almost a year. And a lot of these prayers were answered. And we as God's people cannot forget that when God birthed Reality Ventura, he birthed it in prayer. And one of the main distinctives that God placed on Reality Ventura and reality as a whole, as the family of churches, is to pray for the lost. To pray for loved ones by name. To pray for your neighbors and friends by name. God came to seek and save the lost. And we cannot forget that. God wants to move in and through our prayers specifically for people. And God wants to show us his love for the lost as we pray by name that many would get saved, that this gathering is a gathering of believers, but it's also a gathering where unbelievers would come into the presence of God and be saved because they tasted of his goodness. That your neighbors would come into your presence as the kingdom comes, as Dom said, and enter into your home and experience the presence of God and the love of Christ and you boldly by the power of the Holy Spirit and the love of God witness to them and share the love of Jesus with them and they get saved, delivered from hell and brought into the glorious light of Christ. We cannot forget this. I cannot forget this. We need to be quickened by the reality of hell And yet the reality of God's mercy and grace and saving power, that is what God did and began at Reality Ventura and all the reality churches to seek and save the lost. And lastly, praying in the Holy Spirit for our sons and daughters, such as those moms who gather monthly here at the church through the Flourish Moms Ministry. Moms gather monthly They pray for their sons and daughters. They pray for the moms of this church. And I asked Ava by text, what is God doing? God is moving. God is meeting them. God is answering their prayers. God is moving throughout reality, throughout the missionaries in the coastlands, through Helen Ernst and their faithfulness to pray for our missionaries and the unreached. God has moved through Reality Ventura, but wants to move even in greater ways that many would be saved, that the prayers of the saints would be filling the heavens as golden bowls full of incense, as it says in Revelations 
So if God has been stirring in you, has given you a burden, has given you a conviction, a desire to pray, whether it's for unreached peoples, our own Reality Ventura missionaries, or the lost in your community, or your sons and daughters, or whatever it may be, then gather some like-minded people, friends and family, and start a house of prayer. I'm just simply saying, open up your home. Gather some like-minded people and begin praying, whether it's weekly or monthly. You could even just meet early and have dinner together, break bread together, and then pray and intercede. This doesn't need to be started or overseen by us as a church or a staff. Again, if that's something the Spirit of God's doing in you, then begin to do it. You don't need our permission. You don't necessarily need our oversight or anything. You have the Spirit of God living in you and the Spirit of God moving in you. So begin praying if that's what God's doing in you. And yet, if you're at a loss of how to start one, a prayer gathering at your home or your place of work or wherever it would be, we would love to talk to you and give you some practical advice as how, how to even go about it or even how to lead something like that. I know I would be available, Dom would be available, so we're available to come alongside you and equip you. But then again, you don't necessarily need us if the Holy Spirit's leading you to do it. So I want to encourage you and release you in the Spirit of God. This, again, doesn't need to be started by us, but started and birthed in the Holy Spirit. So that is my pastoral appeal to us this morning in all our...